Welcome to Harmony Christian Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org. When it comes to love, we really do a couple of different things. We talk about it. It's a word we speak, right? And we can go into all the definitions in the Bible of love, you know, uh, you know, agape love and all those fancy words. But really, it really comes down to a couple of things that we need to understand how God loves us. And when we can understand how God loves us, then we can understand how we are to love one another in the earth. And then we can understand how God can, loves us, how we can have right relationship with him, and then how we can have an alignment. And then we can operate in God's love throughout the world, right? And then impact lives around us. Amen? Okay, only a few of you have fallen asleep so far. I'm doing pretty good. We're going to make it. But we are the bride of Christ. And so what I really want to start with is talking about some alignment that we have with heaven. And if we don't have right alignment with heaven, we're not going to understand our position. There's a really good quote that I wanted to share with you. Um, this, uh, there's a book. It's called The Business, is, Business of Honor. And it's with Danny Silk and Bob Hassan. It's a book that comes out of Bethel. If you're a business person, please go buy the book. It's worth the read. Buy two of them and bless somebody else with one because it will really help you understand a lot of things in business. But there's this quote because he begins to talk about the orphan mentality that we have as believers because, right, orphans don't have known parents, right? But as believers, we operate in that same spirit many times in our lives. And until we have right alignment with heaven and understanding how much God loves us, we don't really have an understanding of how we're going to operate. So we almost become orphans at times. So his quote is this, the more we receive the Father's love and learn to live as sons and daughters, the more we will form loving, healthy relationships. Everybody say that, loving, healthy relationships. Because that's God's intent, right? These broken relationships, that's not God's plan. That, that's just the enemy getting in our way. Loving, healthy relationships that endure and grow stronger and richer over the passing years. His love enables us to stop protecting ourselves from one another and start to experience, right? Now we're talking about experiencing things, but experiencing, right, the joys and benefits of true partnership and true family. Wow, that's a mouthful right there, right? When we can begin to understand God's love, but to really understand his love, right, we got we to gotta go way back to a few things, and we got we to gotta do a little bit of history lesson on, uh, you know, Jewish rituals. Is anybody an expert on those in here? You notice I didn't raise my hand either. But, but there's a lens. Like when you go, like, like, like if you have glasses and, or readers or, or anything, you go to the eye doctor, and you look through the lens and he goes, okay, is that is one better or two? One or two? And you're like, well, one's not so good. Two is much better. That's how we need to understand the Word of God. There's lenses that we can look through. And if we don't understand some of the customs and traditions of the days, Josh and I and Cameron talk about this a lot. If you don't understand the, the Jewish customs of the day, a lot of the New Testament is kind of like, that doesn't seem to make sense. It's a little bit wonky. But when you understand the customs and traditions of the day, you begin to have a whole new perspective. And you have, begin to have clarity about the Word of God. Amen? All right, now about three people are left awake. We're in trouble. So what I want to talk about is a betrothal contract. And what this is, is a foundation of really piecing together, all right? We do communion, and we talk about the love of God, and we talk about these things. But we need to understand when, 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 when Jesus says we're the bride of Christ, we need to really clearly understand what that means. Amen? All right, let's have a scripture so we can call this church. So... See, y'all are religious too, like me. You got to have a scripture. How about this? I've got a really good one. Josh asked me this morning, do you have scriptures for today? I said, well, sort of. I mean, 
This probably should have some of these for church. Amen. All right, 1 Corinthians 13. This is from the Amplified Version. I like things really loud, and this one speaks to me. When we talk about love, we always go to 1 Corinthians 13, which I think is wrong. But there's a really strong statement at the beginning of this that's going to frame up what we look at things through today, right? So it says, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, but here's, here's the fill in the blank part, for others growing out of God's love for me, then I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Now listen, this clanging cymbal, I looked it up because we talk about that a lot, right? Clanging cymbals was how the, the, the pagans would worship the, the god of wine, Dionysus. They would clang cymbals and they would just do all this stuff to a god of wine. It sounds really terrible, but it's what they did. But so he's comparing us. If we do all these wonderful things without love, we're just like the pagans worshiping false gods. I know a few of you just got knocked out with that one, but that's okay. So we're going to stop right there. So for others, but have not love for others growing out of God's love for me. Okay, so we have to understand God's love for us, and then it grows out of us, and that's where we reach other people. That's where transformation begins to happen. All right, so let's go back to the betrothal contract, because this thing is going to blow your mind. And maybe it's because I have a kindergarten-level understanding of the Bible, but God did say, or Jesus said, come to me like a little child, right? So let's pretend we're kids. Pretend you've never heard this story if you know it. But here's how it works. So back in Bible times, if you're Jewish, okay, and you found a woman that you liked. Can everybody relate, guys? Just me. This is going to be, we're going to have to raise hands today. We're going to have to yell and hoop and holler. This is how this is going to work. This is interactive. This is like kids at school. So here's what happens. You find a lady you like. So here's what you have to do. You got to go meet with the father, right? Not too terribly distant from what we do right in America is if you, if you want to, you know, propose to your wife, you have to go talk to your, you know, to the, the, the father of the bride. I, I did that. You know, it's, it's scary. So imagine doing it this way. So what would happen is you would go meet with the father of the bride, and you would meet with him, and you would start discussing a bride price. And you go, what? you got to pay for the bride? But listen, the custom and tradition of the day was such that the bride lived, the, the future bride, she lived in the house. She had value, right? She provided value, whether it was inside the home or outside the home doing work. There was value. So when he would marry her, take her away, there would be a loss of that value in the household. And so that's why you had to come with a sum of money. You follow me along. Now listen, here's where it gets tricky. And there's pieces of this that I don't fully understand, and I will continue to search this out, and I will continue to study it, as I encourage you to do, because there's depths of this that are just powerful. And, and I think transcending and understanding God's love is, is, is really being revealed in this. But here's the price you would pay is directly tied proportionately to the love that you had for that woman. Directly proportionate. So you're in there, you're negotiating the, the price for your future bride with your future father-in-law, and you're negotiating this price out, and it's proportionate to the level of love that you had. Y'all haven't picked this up yet. I feel like we're getting there. We're laying some block, but we're fixing to put some siding on this thing and, and get somewhere. Jesus, right, we're the bride of Christ. So a price had to be negotiated with us, directly proportionate to the love, right? Oh, come on. There had to be, wake up, wake up. There had to be a price established, right? Bet between the, the father and, and, and the groom. There had to be a price established for how good the bride was. We're the bride of Christ. There had to be a price established for us. Keeps getting better. Oh, this is good. 
Y'all, you're going to, you, listen, it might hit you at 3 a.m. tomorrow morning, and you'll be like, that was, whoa, wait a minute. Okay, so they negotiate this price. They come together, and they say, all right, they, I, we agree upon this price. And then what the father will do is he will say, all right, I agree. And then the future bride and the groom, they would get together, and they would have a covenant cup. Oh, sound familiar? I see one right here. They have a covenant cup together to seal this thing. Now, the only way it would be separated would be because if there was a divorce decree, but there, but there wasn't going to be a divorce decree, but that was the only way. They, weren't, they, were, like, they were like in covenant at that moment when they took that, that cup together. They were in covenant, in agreement to be married and to be wed to one another. So they share this cup and they seal it. Kind of sounds like the Last Supper to me. We take this cup, right? There's some scripture. All right, listen, you guys don't believe me? You're like, I don't believe it. I think he made this stuff up. I think he's been watching YouTube too much. He's one of those YouTube preachers. Okay, 1 Peter, 8, 1, Peter 1, 18 and 19. I don't hear any page turnings but mine. What's the deal, guys and gals? 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. So the first thing established was the bride price, right? So 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious, precious what? Okay, a couple of you are reading, that's good. Precious blood of Christ as well of the Lamb without blemish, without spot. Hang on a second. Silver and gold are powerful items, but we weren't redeemed by, by that. We weren't redeemed by, by gold or silver or gifts. We were re redeemed by the precious blood. That was negotiated. Okay, so now I'm going to turn your, we're going to come back. I'm going to turn this upside down for you again. D Damon Thompson said this in a podcast that Cameron sent to me, and it just, it, it, it confirmed the things God had been speaking in me. We in the church have, have been teaching people for years that without God and apart from God, we are garbage. Well, I'm here to tell you, this, this proves, this is my case, that this proves we are not garbage. If we were negotiated for at a high price, right, you don't pay high price for junk. You don't pay high price for garbage unless you're a fool and God's not a fool. See, you go back to Genesis in the beginning, we were created in his image, and so he paid for us with a precious price. So we had great value to the Father even when we were apart from him, even when we were in sin, even when we weren't living for him, even when we weren't fulfilling his call on our lives. There's a precious price for us. We were prized children of God. See, here's the problem. We think like this rock that when we screw up and we're apart from God, God is standing like, like the Pharisees did, right? Surrounded the woman, right? Who is the adulteress. They stood around her to shame her and stone her. But that's what we taught from the pulpit, right? If, if you're living in sin, if you're a homosexual, if, 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 if you're in perversion of whatever sort, pornography, drug addiction, just being a, a, a backslider, a gossiper, take your pick, right? We, we believe that we're standing here in the church rightfully judging people with a stone, getting ready to stone, you living in sin and you getting what you deserve. That's a problem with church. That's man-made system that's broke. And if we, in this room, don't get a hold of that, 
And we don't go out into the world and start loving people like God loved us. See, see that homosexual, and I'm not picking on people. That's not my intent. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But that homosexual, that, they were bought with that same precious blood as me. So how do we put them as a lesser than just because they're not knowing their identity in Christ and that they're loved, so they're filling a hole in their life full of junk that is sinful because they don't know who they are in Christ. They don't know that they were bought with the most precious things that money can't buy, the blood of Christ. But see, when we begin to understand that, we can begin to operate in the world appropriately. A few of you just fell out of your chair, and I won't name names. Matthew 26. Let's, let's go through some Bible. Let's just, we, we, I want you all to know this because I don't want you to think this is something that I've fabricated on my own. Read your Bible. Do a little bit of history, and this thing will rock your world. Amen? And is anybody following me today? Can I get an amen? amen. Can I get an oh me? Oh me. Here we go. That's what I've been saying. I've been, oh me, I'm not doing this yet, Lord. Matthew 26. Here he says, Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. Wait a second. That cup again, right? We are the bride of Christ. There's been a covenant cup. When we grab communion, it's reaffirming the covenant that we have with heaven that we've been bought and paid for. I know we've talked about it. We give communion. We, do, we understand that. But you need to understand the implication of what this meant. When Jesus did it in the day, how powerful it was. See, we just think it's like juice in a cracker that's really stale and may or may not be styrofoam. <laughs> now you're listening. But that's reality, Right? The reality is we don't understand the context of what that was, that what when it was spoken and when it was done this way, and more the bride, what is paid for. Oh, yeah. All right, now what happens? All right, so this next one is going to rock your world. Thank you, Jesus. So then there's gifts. So they've, they've grabbed the cup. They've had the covenant cup together. It's sealed, right? And now there's gifts that the, that the groom gives, right, to the bride. And these are extravagant gifts. Because these gifts are so extravagant. He wants her that every time she sees them and uses them to think of him. Because he's going away. See, the groom has to go away for a period of time in this. The next, i got to tell you the next part so you can understand this section. He goes away. He goes back to his father's house where there's a, a room that's unfinished or maybe even not built that he has to build under the watchful eyes of his father so they can build out this room where the bride and groom are going to live. So they go away. They separate. They just came together. They agree on a price. They, agree, they, they take the covenant cup. He gives them these extravagant gifts, and he has to go away. So he wants her to have the gifts to be reminded because he's going away for a period of time, and she doesn't know. Come on. Here we go. She doesn't know when he's going to come back, the time or day. She doesn't know. All right, so you say, well, what could these gifts be? 1 Corinthians 12. I believe these gifts for us in the body of Christ look like this. They look for, they look like a word of wisdom, 
word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, the prophetic, discerning of spirits, tongues and interpretation of tongues. See, these gifts, oh, come on. These gifts were given to us so we could use them to be reminded of him who is coming back for us because he wanted to equip us for the work and he wanted us to have our eyes fixed on him and not the world and the circumstances, but be looking and waiting. Just like that bride was looking and waiting and not knowing when, not knowing the day, not knowing the time, not knowing the hour. These gifts. Now you're sitting there going, it's all coming together now. Don't worry, it gets better. So he's preparing this place. He's, he's, he's in his father's house. Sound familiar? He's in his father's house, preparing a place that is under the watchful eye of the father. And he doesn't get released until the father knows it's the right time. This is not an end times message. I'm telling you that we are the bride of Christ. That if we were given extravagant gifts and we were bought and paid for by the blood before we knew him, how precious are we? See, 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 pastor's been preaching on the beloved for months, months and months and months. But until you understand the true price that was paid and how, how critical and symbolic that price was for us, we can't understand how much we're loved. And if we can't understand how much we're loved, how are we going to love those who are in and around us? Because, hold up, there's a newsflash. After Adam and Eve, most of the things that happened on earth, God went, moved through man. So he's looking for people to use to move through to accomplish his purposes in the earth. He's not waiting for him to show up. See, we pray, Lord, please show up and do something. Lord, we need you. No, God, God I think, is sitting on the other line going, I already gave you the gifts. I already gave you the abilities. I already gave you the skills. And I'm with you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm not going to leave you. Why don't you go and do what I've equipped you to go and do? Come on, church. We've already been equipped. Who, who, who can rise against us and, and win when God is on our side? God is looking for us to, to win. Now, here's what I want to challenge you to do on this piece, too. I want you, I want you to study, like, the, the parable of the ten virgins, when you talk about their oil and trimming them. It's also a reference to the bride being ready, too. In, in this in this. In this, in this bridal, or, you know, the, the betrothal contract, there's an element there with oil that's so powerful. So what I want you to get to a place this morning is I want you to agree with me that until we can understand that we're not garbage, we've never been garbage, that we've been prized and bought for at the highest price, we were just apart from God. But now we're together. But now, but, but, I want you to invite you into a complete new way of thinking about this love thing. I'm, I'm really tired of people saying, well, I love you. What, really? I don't know that. Talk is really cheap, and we've, just, we've used this love word out of context for so long that it's hurting people. I think love should be a word that you say that affirms your actions. I think many times that we say, I love you, and we think that the duty and the job is done, and they feel love. That, that, let me tell you, that's not how it works. Love takes investment. Love takes time. I tell my wife I love her all the time, but it's the actions and deeds that I do that that, 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 that is affirming. That's not the only thing. 
And the problem is we, we say to people when they come in here or to one another, we say, I love you, but, but is, there, is there evidence? If I said, all right, stand before the people and make your case on why you say you love so-and-so, and is it truthful and is it filled with actions, what, what do you have to come up with? I'm going to show you why this is so important. How many times would you, if a child, one of these small children were running around, or maybe one of your own children or grandchildren, they run or they're out riding their bike for the first time, they fall down, they get a skin, knee, skin, elbow, and they're bleeding everywhere, they're screaming and they're crying, they think they're dying, and they come running inside. Anybody familiar with that situation? Okay, two of us, that's okay. You got everybody, is everybody's hands working okay today? All right, there we go, all right. Okay, don't worry, we're not counting votes today. When that child comes in running and screaming and hurting, what's the first thing you do? You embrace them. Hey, it's going to be all right. You reassure them. It's all right. You're, you're going to make it. You're going to be okay. Dad, let, let daddy take a look. Oh, that's not, don't, listen, let's, 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 we can figure that out. Don't worry. Let's, let's get this cleaned up. What, tell me what happened. So I don't want to preach this today. I want to challenge you to understand that that's how God is looking at us. It doesn't matter what you've gotten yourself into because I've gotten myself into plenty in my life and still try to keep myself from getting into other things I don't need to get into, right? But God's just sitting there saying, come, come sit down with me. Run to me. Let, let's talk about this. I love you regardless of what you've done. I, I, I love you regardless of how you feel. God is not sitting there. See, I got to go back to this rock for a second. We think God is sitting there going, he's going to stone me. I've slipped. I've fallen. That's not, that's not what God. Would you, would you throw a rocket and try to curse and condemn something that you paid the most precious price for? But somehow that's how we believe God is dealing with us. And that's not the case. You've been sold a lie and you've bought it and you've ingested it. And now it's living inside of you. And, and, and we got to get that lie out of there and go, listen, it doesn't matter what I've got myself into. God is sitting there waiting to embrace me upon my return. He's waiting to embrace me to, to, to help clean me up, to fix me up and get me back on my feet again and get me back on that bike again or get me back on this again. God is not sitting here trying to peel me apart and read me the riot act of what I've done wrong. That is not God. That's a lie of the devil. God is saying, please come back. Let me take a look at it. He wants to begin that restoration process in your life. we got to stop believing these lies. They're everywhere. I believed in my own life for so long. I felt like enough church services, enough pages of the Bible every day, enough time on my knees in prayer, enough communion cups, um, enough tithing, enough giving, enough serving. I could measure up to what God wants from me. Those things bless God, but they don't get you access in to his family. Those are the actions that come out, right, of a relationship with the Father. You desire to do those things. See, the Bible talks about a hireling, a servant, and a friend. A hireling shows up, but when things get tough, runs, right? That's a big bad wolf. These aren't my sheep. I'm out of here, Right? A servant says, hey, I really, I'm here to do a job because I've received something good for this. I've, I've got to serve. God has saved me from my life. I've got to serve. But see, there's another level of relationship that we don't enter into. And that's friendship. 
which is founded upon love, not a transaction, not a possession, not an action, but a relationship that's founded on love. But we stop so many times in that relationship with God, we stop so many times at that place of being a servant instead of stepping into being a friend where we can be revealed to the secret things to know the thoughts of God and what God is thinking. How many of you in your prayer time have said, God, what's on your heart today? Have you ever thought to ask that? I'm telling you, do it. And let him reveal what's on his heart. God has a heart. But if we stay on the outside looking in and we stay at that place of being a hireling where we just show up on Christmas and Easter because, you know, nanny or mama or whoever it is wants me to be there, that, 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 we're not entering in. And you're not going to understand the fullness of it. Probably all out of time now. We haven't even got to the fun stuff. Alignment. All right, so first I talked about God's love. But that alignment with knowing his love for us is what's key. And when we're out of sync with God's love and operating in a way that he has called us to love, that's when we get these ritualistic religious rules that don't work. It's like if you get in somebody's car or truck and, and, and drive it, and they're the only ones that drive it every day, and you're driving down the highway that's going straight, but your wheel is like this. It's out of alignment. And you're like, listen, how, how, how can you drive this car like this? It's out of alignment. And you're like, oh, I didn't even know any different. We get off track, right? That's just part of life. We got to get back on track. That's part of what we do to here, here is get back on track. And we measure against this, not rules that we create on our own to keep us in alignment. You said something earlier about how unity was such key. In the upper room, right, when they were all praying and the Holy Spirit fell upon them, it said they were all in one accord. Unity and alignment with heaven is critical to God moving. And when you get there, I'm going to talk about the fruit of that really quick. Just turn the lights off when i got to go home. So there was this prophet in the Bible. Mind you, a prophet in the Bible, there is a, there is a book titled in his name. I won't give away secrets. This is like trivia. And so what happens is he is given an assignment from God. Go, share this message over here. Tell these people to turn from their ways or destruction will come. All right, it's Jonah. (laughs) But instead, what does he do? He turns and runs and goes the other way. Don't worry, I'm going to put this all together in a second. You're going to stand. Why does he run the other way? Because Nineveh was his enemy, and he didn't want to go see God restore his enemy. See, that's, that's what the church has done. Here's my rock. That's what the church has done. We're okay. We're okay praying inside of here and declaring wonderful things, but when it calls, God calls us to go love somebody that looks unlovable and doesn't live a lifestyle that you agree with or doesn't worship God like you agree with, you, you're not going to go, no, I'm not doing that, God. I want to see the revenge and wrath of God that's in the Bible come down upon them. Can I get any old, old me's in here? Oh me. Yeah. Praise the Lord. I love the kids. But that's what happens, right? 
when we don't understand how much God loves us, and then he paid for us when we were in that rotten state. He paid for us even, we were never garbage. We were never a pile of, of, of garbage and then covered, right? As Damon Thompson would say, never, never a pile of garbage and then covered with his love and then made new again. That's not how it worked. We're always precious from the beginning. And so what if, what if we decided to love on people, just love them. That's all we got to do is just love them and then let them begin to understand what is that love that's flowing out of them that draws them closer to God. We don't have to cast things out of them to get them free. That, see, we, I mean, listen, there's some spiritual things behind this. Don't, get me, don't pick up what I'm not saying. But if we're not loving first, we're, we're bankrupt, as Paul would say. These people need our love. Who's going to love the unlovable in the world but us? God loved them. He loved the unlovable so much that Paid the price with his son. That was the bride price. Let's read, I want to read this one, Luke 6, 27. This is when you might want to duck in your seat. People are nodding off, Josh. This is crazy. Are y'all picking this up? All right. He's coming in hot. Luke 26, or Luke 6. 27 through 36. I like the title of this. It says, Love Your Enemies. But I said, these are, this is Jesus speaking, just if you don't have one of those Bibles with the, the, the red letters in there. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you, and from him who takes away from your goods, and do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. It's easy to love. It's easy for me to, to to love Josh and Amber and and Cameron and Holly because that, right they love me. They think the same way I do. They agree. We agree on the things of life. But how about how about that person you work with that is just like, oh my gosh, your mouth is filthy. They need that love more than anybody else that you're in fellowship with in this building. And who's going to give it to them? Because God is waiting for us. He's waiting for a moment, right? That Kairos moment to move through us to change and transform a life. The greatest weapon God gave us is what? It's love. It's not great preaching. It's not rules. It's not ordinances. It's not gifts. It's love. That's the greatest gift. And that will, and that will wear out the enemy. Every day of the week, seven out of seven. Some of you don't believe me yet. Just try it. I'm telling you, just wait. All right, so if we have this alignment, because see, that's what happened, again, with that adulterous woman. They, they circled up around her because they, they wanted to be justified in their belief system. Just like we want to be justified in condemning somebody for their sinful actions. What if you love them? What if this person voted for Joe Biden and you hate Joe Biden and you're a Donald Trump fan? Or what if they voted for Trump and you're a Joe Biden fan? You know, pick, pick your poison. 
You're going to love them or you're going to let a line be drawn in the sand because of a political affiliation that you can't give them the love of Christ that might open their eyes to see their position as a son or daughter of God. We got to quit dividing lines and drawing lines in this church and the church as a whole and start and start tearing those lines down and loving outside the lines and reaching the unreachable simply by loving. Here's one we'll tell you what happens when we love. So this is how it happens when we get an understanding of our love. And we get an understanding of how much God loves us, and we, we get aligned properly. And that's the journey I've been on in the last few years, is really knowing that God loves me, that there's not one decision I'm going to make that's going to screw it up. Because I really believe, God, if I, what if I take this job opportunity, or what if I do this? What if I miss you, God? Will you just leave me, and I'll, be, I'll, I'll, be, I'll, I'll ruin my life? Well, let me tell you, I don't believe that we have the power when we're seeking God to make a decision to ruin our life. Because God's grace and God's mercy is better than anything we can, we can manufacture on our own. He is, we don't need a safety net. He, he is our provider. Amen. But I believe that that was what the problem was. I had to seek him on everything. So here's how it plays out. When, you, when I told you earlier that, that God's looking for people to move through, this is how it works. God moves through people. And I've experienced the love of God in ways that are the most powerful I could ever imagine in the last 18 months. And it's been through people. Yeah, we experience God's love through people. So I, we, Brandy and I have spiritual parents down in Florida, uh, Tommy and Verna. And they, they were given to us by God, their gift. They'd never had kids in their entire life, but they got kids, um, in, in, you know, like by the Lord one day. They were already in their 30s. So they were like, oh, this is amazing when, when they adopted us. But I would ask that I would be I would be filled with shame to ask them to help me with things, because I didn't want to be a burden on them. Right? How many times do we not want to ask God because we just we feel like we could be burdening Him, which is not possible? I call them up. I'd say, Hey, listen, you know we're we're eleven hundred miles away. We need you to do something at the house, and we know it's a drive, and you know, we know you need to just can you check on this? Hey, listen, we've been looking for a reason to go for a drive. We're so thankful that you called. We'll be happy to go do that. Is there anything? Matter of fact. We're going to pray out there while we're there too. And here I'm laying on the floor like weeping, going, I'm experiencing God's love through somebody else's uh, selfless desire to love me as they are loved by him. The hardest thing in my life as an adult was leaving Florida. I had it all figured out. I had it all figured out. I knew exactly what I was doing. I, I loved the people I was around. I believed I was completely fulfilling everything God had planned for my life. And then one day, God started taking that little snow globe and just shaking it. <laughs> Felt like he threw it against the wall, too. I've, I've had dreams that have been my dreams that only my wife has known about for a very long time. And these dreams have been really important to me. So one day, um, after, after moving to Indiana, because I'm telling you, when I moved up here, I believe that I, uh, most of my dreams, I just hit in the to most of them and said, all right, I'm just going to be obedient to what God's doing. And then that means I'm going to give up everything that I've wanted to do. 
Remember, I said I had it all figured out. So I'm sitting down having breakfast because this man invites me to breakfast one day, and, and we're going to have a cup of coffee. And he's a pastor. Names, listen, this is like um, the old police shows, the names have been hidden for their own protection. Because these are my blessings I've received from God. Go chase them and find them on your own. I don't want to give away the secrets here. But I'm sitting there. We're just talking about wonderful things in the Lord. It's a great time, and I'm enjoying myself. We're having a great thing. And the Holy Spirit just punches me, like gut punch. You know, you've been gut punched before probably. You know, some of you have. I have. And it's like it takes everything out of you. The Holy Spirit goes, Poof. I'm like, Holy Spirit says, tell them your dream. I'm like, no, no. I don't tell my dreams with people. I'll tell them your dream. No. Tell them your dream. Okay, yes, sir. So I said, hey, uh, this, this might seem kind of strange, but I, I want to share with you this dream. I'll, I'll tell you my dream. So I, I, wanted, to have, um, I wanted to have a cow-calf operation for a long time. And uh, what was hard about leaving Florida is I worked for a bunch of the largest cattle ranchers in Florida. And that was the people I was around. And, and I believe that was God-ordained, that they would, that would be a part of my destiny and the things I wanted to do, not only for the kingdom, but, but for myself. And... Um, so leaving that was, was like, was like uh, burying something. And so I told him, I said, you know, uh, we're at the breakfast. I'm telling my dream. I said, hey, I know this might sound really odd, but I've had this dream, and that I, I, I want to, you know, have a cow-calf operation, and I don't know anybody up here at all, and I, I'm really out of my sorts, and, and just want to share that with you. And, and I, I don't remember exactly how it came out because it probably feels about like it does right now, like I just want to throw up and cry, but... He starts laughing at me. I'm in this moment of vulnerability, and he's laughing at me. He's laughing. I'm like, oh, what have I done? I mean, are there any men in the room? You understand what I'm talking about? You bear your soul to somebody, and they laugh at you. That's why you don't bear your soul to nobody. Can I get an amen? You keep that stuff inside. He's laughing. He goes, man, that's pretty good. I said, wait. He goes, you came to the right place. He said, I've got a couple guys that um, I'm really close to, one in particular that has shown livestock all over the country, and, and I'd be happy to introduce you to him. See, that's how God's love works. When we surrender all and we walk in our right identity as a son or daughter of God, what happens is God is able, and then you're, then, then you're vulnerable you open yourself up. Then God is able to move in and through people to fulfill the dreams. Because, see, God has dreams for us. And, and, and they're inside of us. He, he places them in, in, as seeds. But if we're not in alignment with him and walking in a way that a son and daughter walks, we're never going to fulfill what God has had for us, and our destiny won't be achieved because it's within covenant relationships and love that the, the kingdom of heaven manifests. So I won't give you the rest of the story, but I'll summarize it in this. In the last 12 months, I've experienced walking into the, the promise of my dream by, by relationship, being vulnerable, and experienced love. And what I've experienced in that tw last 12 months, I, I told these people, I told them, you got to watch the movie Shaq because that's what I walked in the last 12 months, is the overwhelming, all-consuming love of God. A loving God that wants to give us absolutely everything. 
But if you're sitting like I was in the middle of a field saying, God, I'm ready for it, you're missing it because it's found in the family of believers and people that God is going to move through. If you're looking for a, through a move, for a move of God, look to your right right now. Look to your left right now because that's where the move of God is going to come from because it's going to be an obedient person to sacrifice something, right? Because the blessing comes from a sacrifice. How many times in the Bible is it stated, I'm not bringing a sacrifice unless it costs me something? People say, why are you doing this, Matthew? It's because I love you. Because I just want to be a part of what you're doing. Because I know God's in the middle of it. And it costs me. It's going to cost you. And if it doesn't, it isn't worth it. But maybe it's time as a church that we become apart from ourselves, walking as children of God, and letting him fulfill things through us. What if, what if, I, I'm a what if guy. People that know me really well, they, they, they hear me say what if, and they, they're kind of like, what if you had a million dollars? What if God gave you everything you need? What would you then do? Well, why don't you do that now and wait for God to manifest what he has for you? Or what if, what if you stepping out, being obedient to God, sacrificing, walking in love, loving somebody, letting God love somebody through them, you set them free from the bondage that they've been in all their life? Oh, and by the turn, God's going to bless you because that's how it works. Amen? Okay, I'm going to land the airplane here. You will now know me as Papa God. And I thought, there's a few people I know intimately that call, refer to God as Papa. A lot of people do it, you know, Abba God or, I don't know. Papa is just not a word in my vocabulary. I have no Papas. You know, we got Papas and Mamas and Grandpas. But the Papa is not a word in, 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 in our family. And I didn't understand it, but it, there's a grandfather's kind of love that comes from God. And you grandparents know what I'm talking about. And you, you parents know what I'm talking about. Your kids are like, they get everything with grandma and grandpa. They get away with everything. I'm not saying that's what God's doing, but it's a special kind of love. And that's what I felt. So I have this confession, and I'm going to be really vulnerable and share it with you, because I think you ought to have a confession or something that you understand that helps you relate to how God is loving you. Um, so this is my confession. I'm confident that Papa God will back my dreams provide for my needs, and enable me to extend generosity as he does. My relationship with him qualifies me automatically as an heir to all that is his. I won't take this inheritance for granted, but neither will I hesitate to enjoy it. For a God that loves us so much that the bride price would be blood and extravagant gifts showered upon us, how could we ever not walk boldly as the bride of Christ? How could we ever not walk in love that is just never ending? There's no excuse for their love stopping. Because it doesn't stop from heaven. We are a conduit. I, I, I tell people we are an extension cord. We are connecting heaven with earth. You know, you're hanging in Christmas lights. When you're hanging Christmas lights and you're plugging them in, you think, this is what he's talking about. We're connecting the power of heaven to earth. And it, but we're the conduits of it. And if we got a kink in the line, or we're not connected rightly, then the Christmas lights aren't going to come on. Heaven's not going to flow. I think the, 
silliest example I can give you before we pray is, is, the, is the imagination of an orange tree standing in, you know, in a, in a grove uh, proclaiming that it's an apple tree. It's the silliest thing when we hear there's, there's people say, I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. Now, the man that taught me that, I believe it wholeheartedly, but I've heard it out of other people. Don't, don't be that orange tree saying I'm a lemon tree. If you say something, you love somebody, check yourself before you say it. God loves you. Papa God, I pray right now that the abundant, extravagant love that you have for us, God, that you would shower upon these people, God. And even, God, those who are, um, you know, hearing this online or maybe even here at six months from today, at this moment, I pray, Papa, that you would open up heaven and that they could feel your tangible love for them. Papa, I pray right now that you would open our eyes to show us how we can love those around us in a way that represents your desire, that we could be those conduits of love for your kingdom. Lord, I know that you're looking for people to use to move in and through throughout this earth. And Lord, I just declare, listen, raise your hand with me right now. If you're willing to be a conduit for heaven's love right now, just raise your hand. Lord, we're, we're ready to be conduits right now. We are surrendering to you right now. Every, every selfish desire we have that is not aligned with your plan or purpose, we lay down. And we lift our hands up as if to grab a hold of your love to bring it down to earth. Show, interrupt, interrupt our, our dreams, interrupt our visions, interrupt our ways. Interrupt every, just let, let us have a burning bush moment with you where we know that you have something to say. And let us love one another in a way that you've loved us. We surrender all to you right now. Papa, I pray that you would open our eyes to who we can love on that needs love. And that, Lord, let us be checked in our spirit when we say the words, I love you, to make sure they're matching our actions. That we're not saying and not doing, but we're saying to confirm what we're doing. Have your way in us today, Lord. Bless these people in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, I'll close out with this. I think you'll beat the Baptist to the lunch buffet today if there's any of those open. I double dog dare you to go love somebody in an extravagant way. I double dog dare you to walk out of this place and find somebody. It might even be somebody in here that needs to experience God's love. Just just earnestly seek and chase it every day. I, I double dog dare you. And then if you do it, and you don't experience something miraculous in your life, I give you permission to just whoop me. (laughs) That's the agreement. Amen? All right. Y'all be blessed. Have a great week.